You're listening to the Down the Pub podcast, Canada's premier football show. Head to downthepub.ca to subscribe so you never miss an episode. So welcome to this episode of the Down the Pub podcast. We are joined by Calvary FC defender and Canadian international Mason Trafford. Welcome to the pub, Mason. Thanks, guys. Glad to be here. Yeah, we're really happy to have you here too, man. And uh, as usual, we're joined by our regular barflies, Chris and Carlos. Welcome back again, guys. Thank you, Anthony. Thank you, Mason, for being part of the port. Good to be back, fellas. Thanks for coming on, Mason, for sure. So uh, the first question I have for you is... Um, what do you, like obviously the Ireland games are over now. What are your plans for the off season, and what have you been up since the the games are over? Yeah, it's been a strange year, obviously, because it was short. with just like those six weeks there, but you know, came back and obviously was desperate. I got a daughter and a wife, so I was it's pretty hard being away from them. So as soon as I got back, I actually got back like 10 p.m. in Calgary, slept, woke up at seven, and drove 10 hours to Vancouver where they were just to see them because it was one of those things where you just were longing for it. Spent a couple of weeks in Vancouver, saw some family, and now I'm back, kind of trying to get back into the routine. I'll uh, I'll work I'll work in the head office a little bit as I always do, and then I will uh, start training. Well, I already kind of have started training, you know, taking over here and there, and we'll start ramping things up and working with the sports science team to uh, get back in condition. Amazing. Uh, so it was kind of an Ireland games of uh, what might have been for Calvary um, with injuries and all that kind of stuff. So, like on a personal note, how do you think the games went for yourself? Yeah, I was fairly happy with my, with my performance. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty self-critical. It's, uh, again, as a defender, and especially as, you know, a guy that wears a captain's armband every now and again when Ledgerwood's not there, I feel like my, my performances are often tied to that of the team. So if you're, you know, it's no, no sense being like a, the best center back necessarily on, on a team that loses it every game. It's hard, it's hard to be the best center back in that, in that regard. Um, but I, was, I felt quite good. You know, our team did really well in the, in the first little bit. We did, we did rotate a lot to try to stay fresh. Um, and it was just unfortunate that the team went out like we did, right? We won that first part of it. And then we won that, second, that, that first game in the second round against Pacific. It looked like we were flying. I was feeling great physically, uh, playing a lot of games at my age and, and, and still feeling well. So I was, I was really happy with that. And then it was like a boom, boom against Halifax and then against Ford the next thing you know we're on a flight home in a matter of about three days thinking after thinking we were we were flying but the tournament was well put on it's tough in those circumstances you see even in world football these days with short preseasons no preseasons this is football's a bit crazy right you're seeing teams that normally never lose or make mistakes make mistakes so you got to expect that stuff to happen it did a little bit and uh in the end we just didn't quite have it at the end so uh, before I pass it over to, to Chris, um, as you mentioned there, like that you've got a wife and daughter. So like every Canadian football mm-hmm. fan is thankful for you guys, obviously sacrificing family time and all that kind of stuff to go into the bubble. So is it true that you've all got Stockholm syndrome and you're all going to meet up in PEI <laughs> once a month every year going forward? <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could say that was the case. <laughs> no, I mean, I, uh, I, I actually just funny. I read that NBA article. I don't know. It was LA times or something about how the Lakers were in the bubble for a hundred days how their guys were going a bit crazy. We were in the bubble for, what, like 40, 45 days. But then somebody reminded me, oh, you, you guys were in a, in, in a, couldn't leave a hotel in, in Charlottetown. The NBA guys were 
cruising around Disney World. <laughs> <a little bit laughs> different. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's one thing that PEI is lacking is a Magic Mountain. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, imagine no lines in the Magic Mountain for 100 days. <laughs> I, don't know what I don't know what they're complaining about, man, to be honest with you. Uh, uh, far away there, Chris. I was joking with those guys there the other day. I would have climbed the TV tower at some point, man, just losing my mind yeah. just to get a different view of things, man. My goodness. Um, in, in regards to the bubble, um, in terms of your routine, how did it compare? It, uh, I mean, in that sense, it's, it's pretty good actually. Right. Because there's no distractions. You're, I'd say that the first two weeks are probably the hardest. Cause you're just like, what is going on? This is crazy. Trying to adjust. But in the end, it's almost like playing a game on the road. Sometimes it's easier, right? You're sleeping, you know, you ha- you don't have your wife or family, which in one hand is like all, what you need to sort of stay sane. But on the other hand, you can just go to have a nap if you want. All your meals are cooked for you. Um, you kind of live it like your basic human needs are all kind of taken care of. And that's all you have to think about. So in terms of routine, it's easy, right? You're in, you're in for a team meal, you're in for a team meeting, you're in for lunch, you're in for a pool session, gym session, training, repeat 45 days of that. Um, it's a bit crazy, but you know, for the athlete in you, it, it can be effective. So in terms of like the playing surface, like uh, you're the first player we've had on since the bubble popped more or less. So um, one of the things that kind of intrigued me was the fact that everything was on turf. I know that there was some pretty solid grass fields up and around in the area, but I guess they weren't close enough to make the bubble secure enough. So what was it like playing in a tournament where you knew where you were playing and the grass was not going to be grass because uh, you guys, us, I think we're the only two clubs that have an actual grass field. Am I right with that one? I might be wrong. Um, but for the, no, you know, York, I, I, York yeah, York too. Yeah. I knew there was one more, but I couldn't quite yeah. think of it, but, um, more or less, I've, I've, I've got to talk to a few of the Wanderers guys and they said they've had to train over the turf. So did you guys have much preparation on the turf beforehand? And how was that kind of affecting your guys' game tactically? Yeah, we didn't actually have a ton of time. We had a couple inner squads on turf right before, but funny enough, we, we normally train at the Foothills indoor facility in Calgary, but this year we were training at Spruce Meadows where our home stadium is. And that's all grass, obviously being like all outdoor, uh, an outdoor venue. Yeah, honestly, it's tough. I, I think it's one, it's one aspect of, of the game that maybe doesn't get talked about enough or, or you don't need to talk about it, but it maybe doesn't get the, the weight it deserves when talking about football it's kind of the great leveler for me, the quality of a football pitch. You could have different, different qualities of team. And if you play on a, on a certain type of pitch, then it can level the playing field a lot. You're starting to see the MLS now, almost every field is like world-class and it's, it makes, it does, it makes a big difference. PEI's field was, it was okay. It wasn't, it wasn't awful. It wasn't the worst turf I've played on. It was turf. Um, They, the league did a good job in wetting it before the games, but you know, you guys are over there on the island. It's windy a lot. Um, if it's a day game, unfortunately, you just can't get enough water on it to, to stay for, for it for any length of time. So it does. It makes it a bit more difficult. It makes things a bit more interesting, bounces and this, that, and the other. But that's as much to, to say the conditions as well, like I said, with the wind or, or, or however the conditions were there on the island. It did, it did throw a curveball every now and then, but everybody had to play like that. So you can't really factor it in too, too much. So before I throw it back to Carlos, I know talking to a couple of the other guys, the whole no fan setting was just 
kind of weird but for mm -hmm. some of the guys who are just kind of getting out of that uh canadian university setting for example they're used to kind of playing in front of no fans so i guess professionally speaking you've played in miami you've played overseas you've played in front of thousands of fans what was it like i guess kind of resetting yourself to a point in your career where you really weren't playing in front of anybody it was weird it, it, yeah it, it was weird um Again, I, again, it's it's a bit of a maybe a leveler in a sense because even if you look at like world football as an example and some of the top top teams, some of the results seem to be kind of evening out this year. I think maybe because there's no home field advantage really anymore, um, and that tournament was super unique in that sense, right? You're all playing on the same pitch, in the same conditions with no fans, so nobody really had that like travel, no travel pitch, no, like whatever advantage that you get like that. And it's weird. You know, I, I hope the world goes back to normal and, and, and COVID goes away, or at least we control it a little bit because, you know, football is meant to be played in front of fans. I think that's, there's no doubt about that. It's, we went there, we did a job, we gave, you know, Canadian fans who wanted to watch on one soccer, the chance to watch, which can't be happier about. But in the long run, I think everybody wants to be playing in front of fans. It just gives you that little bit of extra something. Yeah, fair enough. Go ahead, Carlos. Uh, Mason, um, now that uh, the bubble is over and the tournament, what's like what we look for 2021? Um, what are your thoughts about like this big break? Because we know the Canadian League, it's a short tournament, but it gives you some quality games that you can play on that rhythm. Uh, now, being such a short tournament, what do you think um, it's going to be next for Calvary? What's going to be the main challenges for you guys to get back in track? Because you guys are one of the top contenders, kind of like, uh, I wouldn't say, um, like, heading over to be one of the dynasties in Canada. So, what do you think are going to be the, the biggest obstacles for Calvary towards the next year? because now you guys have all this free time and it's really hard to place players overseas and loan players. No, that's a really good question. I think one that probably every front office, not just our own is trying to deal with um, and the league is trying to deal with cavalry. I think we're really lucky because we do have the ownership group that we have and we have the, the infrastructure with Spruce Meadows behind us that we have. And when people are working on it every day to try to figure that out. Um, but it's for sure. I think that's the, that's the challenge that Canada soccer or the CPL more rather is going to face is that we have this beautiful new league now. Um, and unfortunately COVID hit, so it's really tough and you have to regular, you have to just kind of hold your hand up and say it is really tough. And we're all working to try to figure out how we can make it. So players aren't playing six, you, you know, we want to develop this game in Canada. I think we need to be playing more than, you know, six, eight months at a time. Mm -hmm. um, this year, again, being a special one with, with the virus, so hopefully that, that gets sorted and we can we can get back on track and we can extend kind of the season or even extend the preseason if we have to go and have an extended preseason like we did in year one in the Dominican where we can get some quality games in and, and get the guys together, get the guys training, then that's an ideal situation. Um, and I think that's what everybody's working towards. But right now everybody's hands are a little bit tied. You can't do certain things from a government level, which, which makes playing uh, soccer games difficult as well. Um, but I know, I know at least our group is, is working on that and trying to solve it so that we can get, especially some of these exciting young players coming through, get them on the, get them on the stage, you know? And as a player, you being a center back, um, 
what are the most what what are your personal challenge because okay we know we, we you don't have minutes playing you can like find a, a team to train and everything but as a player what are the most the what are the biggest challenges besides like not playing for you like i don't it could be like you know, like be having a strict diet, like as, as a player, as a professional player, or uh, the main obstacles. And is that in general or because of the short ge- season? In, in general, general, yeah. In general. I think we're all creatures of habit and routine, right? And, 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 and Chris, you mentioned that in your question as well. And as soon as you kind of get to the island, like I said, the first, the first week or two was a little bit weird. But then as soon as you sort of like get into that groove, into that rhythm of, like I said, wake up, eat train, eat, nap, pool, gym, eat, sleep, which is pretty much what it was in that order. Um, You get into that routine and it just becomes so normal. And we're all just sort of wired that way. Or I think a lot of athletes are, a lot of people are wired that way. And then it's just, you're in your zone and you're just doing it and you're doing it and you're doing it. So I think when there's uncertainty with the, with, with when, you know, with everything going on in the world right now, it's easy to get out of that routine. And I'm sure everybody, athletes and non-athletes alike, you know how it is. Like if you don't yeah. work out for a few weeks, just getting back into that routine feels so hard. And then you're like yeah. two weeks into it, you're like, well, how did I ever not do this? It's like, how, I couldn't picture not doing this. It's like, it's the inertia. It's like yeah. the inertia of life, right? And, and uh, once you're in motion, you, you tend to stay in motion. And then as soon as you stop to get moving again, it's tough. Yeah, and one last question before I pass it to Anthony. You're a very international player. Um, sorry for butchering this name, but I don't know if you play for Jishu Xiangcheng. Is that the name? Gui, yeah, Guizhou Zichang. Guizhou Zichang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So why China? It's a really difficult league to play because it's really the adaptation part. It's very hard. I know like very a lot of players play there. Carlos Tevez never adopted there. He had a, a billion contract and he only played like three games and he only scored with penalties. He never yeah. adopted. It's a very difficult culture. How was it? How was that experience? You can share that. You learn any Mandarin. Why China? Uh, because I know you had other offers. I think like uh, according to your Wikipedia, you had offers from Sweden and different countries as well. Yeah, that was that was like the great adventure of my football career, or at least one of them. I, I have kind of played in a very, you know, markets and countries, and and that was really cool. I had just finished living in like a tiny a tiny place in Finland for two years and a bit. I just kind of had a national team call up, and uh, it was one of those things where the opportunity just kind of came around randomly. I think I was at a Christmas party with an old player friend of mine, and 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 he mentioned this opportunity. I connected with an agent over there. And, you know, next thing you know, you're on a flight and you're, you're, and then you're landing in China and you're like training and, and it's all happening. It just worked out, you know, like it was a great contract that they offered me. It was a great experience. It was something that I thought, you know, this will never happen in my life again. And it was just like the right time, the right place for me. And I just kind of dove in, you know, it was one of those moments actually when I got handed a contract and you wouldn't have believed that it was like a Chinese contract that they tried to translate into English. It didn't make any sense. Everything was wrong. If you had given it to a lawyer, they would have been like, what is, like, <laughs> what is this? And my agent was going like, what are you like? This is insane. What are you doing? Like, come back. Let's like, like go to one of the countries, like you said, and just get back at it. And I said, I had, I just had a feeling. I was like, I got a feeling this is going to work. And, and, and I stayed, I signed and, 
And it, I mean, it worked in a sense. Like I played, I played a lot of games. It was like cool experience. The team I was on, unfortunately had been promoted from the league below and we weren't the greatest team. Um, so it didn't really, we weren't really a huge success story, really that stuff, but it worked out. I survived and I have some incredible stories, which we'll actually have to say for the next actual real time we get to be down at the pub and that's that. That's <laughs> it. Those stories. Yeah. And now here I am, you know, it's just been a, it's been an adventure, my career, that's for sure. And did you, did you, um, have a translator, like a special translator? Cause Mandarin is really hard. Like, yeah, I did. I didn't learn any, I mean, I learned basic Mandarin to get around in like a taxi or whatever, but um i did the club had a translator for for mainly me there was the other two foreigners were a croatian guy and a south korean guy mm -hmm. and uh yeah but he, he he worked with me a lot just on the field you know he kind of he running around the field when the plays <laughs> going on trying to like tell I can... me what's going on it was, it was, honestly it was it was really funny like it was uh, he pretended it, he was the medic <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> This guy, sound, he, this guy was funny. This guy was calm. He was comedy too. So it was. Uh, it, it, it just sounds like uh, you were trapped in Mr. Baseball. Do you remember that movie with Tom Selleck when he goes to Japan to play baseball? <laughs> no, I don't think I've seen that one. But it was, it was wild. Like it was. There's, there's, there's no, there's no way around that. It. it was a wild, wild experience, and one that I got. I'll have stories from my book at the end of this career. <laughs> That's great. Go for it, Anthony. Thanks. So, so just a quick follow-up to the, the, the China story. Um, on Wikipedia, we all know that Wikipedia is like a, a wealth of truth. Uh, yeah. it, it says that before you went to Japan, <laughs> before you went to China, that you were going to go for a trial at the Seattle Sounders, but then you got food poisoning. Is that true? No, I was there. I was that. I was with the Seattle Sounders. What was the timing of that? I was somewhere, and then I was with the Sounders, and it was all going well. I mean. I was training. I was there for quite a while. We were down, I think, in Casa Grande in Arizona. And we were playing another MLS team, I think. And, and, and then, like, three or four guys, like, came down with something. And, you know, when you just have, like, no energy and your body just is, like, just wants to get in bed. And as soon as you get out of bed, you're like, I feel terrible. It was one of those. And I it was one of those. I went to the coach and I was like, I don't. I, I, I can go here, but like, it's, I don't know if it's going to be pretty. <laughs> and in the end, it didn't work out. I mean, I didn't play. And then I don't even remember. I don't know. I don't know if I would have got a contract anyway, regardless, but you know, I felt pretty good about the whole thing and it just never, it just kind of fizzled out, you know, you leave and then all of a sudden it's back and forth and nothing happens. And next thing you know, you're in China. <laughs> <laughs> but it's funny though. Cause that's just like, that's life, right? I mean, it's like these little, things that happen that make another part of your life happen so it's kind of funny that like yeah. about, about a food poisoning like a dodgy burger or something like led you, you know, mm -hmm. to, to china it's kind of cool um yeah, it was weird it was weird so like tommy was on uh one soccer today uh talking he's talking a little bit about uh arabian pebble on his trial mm -hmm. at uh, sheffield united is it true that you were offered a trial force and you turned it down yeah they were they were trying to get me in before the international break here and I said I was a little busy here in Calgary. I had some work in the office to do. They got, they got Take Mason. your 100 grand a week and get, get out of here. They got Mason and Dominic Zator mixed up. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, they was 34. They thought I was 24. So, 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 so obviously, like, I mean, you've, you've uh, had trials abroad and all that kind of stuff. Like, so what advice would you give him? And uh, what's he like in training? Like, is he something special? Like, obviously, you've played against some great players too. Arabim, yeah. I mean, he's he's just he's just like one of those guys. He's what sixteen, seventeen years old, and he's like looks like he's about two hundred pounds, six foot two, strong, fast. He's raw, you know. He's he, you can tell he's got a lot of talent, 
And when he has those days when he's on, he like nobody can tackle him. You just kind of bounce off the guy and you go to tackle him. And, or you like, go to tackle him and next thing you know, you've got like a knock and you're out for two days and you're like, what just happened? So, I mean, I hope he does. I think I've heard he's been doing really well over there and he's generating some interest. So, you know, at that age, I think um, to really have had like two years with our team before, I mean, not obviously playing a whole lot, but being around the environment, you're only 17 hopefully he matures quick and he gets over there and he gets an environment that somebody can nurture that further. I'm sure we would as well, but if it's over there, I mean, good for the, good for the guy. And he's like the nicest kid in the world. Like so polite. You can tell he comes from a great family and um, yeah, he's a, he's a good, good, good guy. Yeah. Well, like we, we really wish him well, cause it's a great um, advert for the league as well to have mm-hmm. you know, kids like that, like play here and then go over there. Um, so just going back to, to Dominic there, I know because we're joking about it there, but were you surprised that he didn't get like a loan move or anything like that? Because I know there was talk about maybe getting to go to a championship team in England and stuff like that. Like, were you surprised they didn't go anywhere yeah, else? Yeah, I, I heard that rumor. I'm not really sure like who it was or what happened, but I mean, we'll see. I mean, hopefully, I, I haven't seen him a ton lately, but I, I, I'm sure he'd still love that. So well, I'm, I'm not sure uh, what his situation is, but he's a great player as well, right? Like, I think he's another one that he started as like, at the beginning of the year, nobody knew really knew who he was. He was a college player, but uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens with him. He he's a fantastic player, uh, and he deserves like whatever whatever is going to come his way because he works right. He went from like I said, college CPL CPL starter, CPL star, national team, all in the space of like one of our short eight nine month seasons. That's a pretty wild story that in itself. So. Um, I think the future is bright for him, as, I, as it is for a lot of guys in the league. That's it. Yeah, it's, uh, as I said, like, I mean, it's a great advert for the league and for football in Calgary that you are producing these kids, right? So um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's exactly. kind of awesome. Um, far away there, Chris. Your, your kitchen's beautiful, bro. <laughs> Thanks. It's, I didn't it's want not my, we're renting, so. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, we, we, we don't do the video cast thing. Like, it's all audio, but I was, like, yeah. looking – Back, I was like, damn, man, the fridge is set up right next to the window there. <laughs> yeah, the we're stove, at a nice spot. Is the actually. stove right next to it? Yeah, and then there's a bit uh, of counter space and a stove. It's a cool you, uh, spot. Yeah. Dream cook on. Are you trying to get your wife to like make all your meals and come with like a little silver platter on top of it? To- oh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't, there's no sense in trying now because it hasn't been happening for 10 years. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. That's too good. We, were, we were just talking about Dominic J. He's a friend of the show, and I, I mean, it, it was really shitty how his tournament ended. Um, we love mm. the guy, one of the nicest dudes I think we've talked to, honestly. In, in how many episodes is this now, Anthony? Uh, that's like this is 80 this is 80 there you go carlos is on the button so like yeah so one of our favorite interviews and and one of the nicest guys i guess you guys are the model of a back three in a weird Mm -hmm. way like one is the ball player one is the Mm -hmm. no nonsense that would be you and jay is kind of yeah i'm the no nonsense I think wow. so. I mean, so, so Chris really? is saying you've got Chris is saying you've got so. no skill whatsoever. So. Oh. No, no. I think <laughs> wow. that's the, I think that's the greatest skill. That's, 
I, I personally I said Jay was a no nonsense though. No, I think I think Jay is like the perfect mix between you. Not that you're not good on the ball, but I find that Jay every once in a while has this like crazy thirty yard ball that Dominic hits every once in a while. Where you're just like, geez, yeah. Jay, you've got. Wait, and what was Dominic? What was Dominic in the three? Dominic is the ball playing run up. Thinks he's a midfielder. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. He did that yeah. a little bit in the Island Games for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I, okay. I, all three of you guys. I like more or less what I'm saying is is fantastic in. in the modern game, the back three is coming back. And like we grew mm-hmm. up where four four two was pretty much the yep. model. Um, so what's it like working in Tommy's system? And what's it like working with Tommy in general? Yeah, well, first of all, yeah, Tommy, you know, you know him. He, if, he, if you've heard him speak, he's a great motivator. He's a, he's a leader, like definition of a leader. So he gets the group going. He, he gets us organized. He ticks all the boxes and makes sure that like there's no, there's no – doubts before the game which I think you want in a coach and it's something that seems so obvious but you when you when you've been in the game long enough you realize not every coach is like that and you got a lot of a lot of times you're you're in a coach you're like well what what are we doing today again like I kind of forgot which is never the case with him it's it's like uh you know the the ultimate professional and and then that's the club behind it too right is that we have a setup that allows allows him to do his job very well um and then that back three, yeah. I mean, again, I'll, I'll maybe take it as a compliment too, Chris, because I don't think I've ever really been described as that. And maybe, maybe that I've always thought that's something I want to add to my game. So to be described as that, that's uh, that's cool. Because I listen, I, man. I'll like, like every every time I see you, kind of just like pacing at somebody, they hit the brakes. So like, <laughs> I I I have I have in yeah, my mind that the scouting report is saying that these guys know that you're going to put in a tackle. You don't play oh, around. Nice. This is nice. called this is called digging yourself out of a hole. <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. no, I never took it as a if anything. If anything, I was, I was talking surprised. Shit. If any, if anything, I was talking shit about Jay. And next time he's on the show, he's going to end up like virtually <laughs> punching you. No, I'll, no, make sure, I, I'll make sure yeah. not to edit that bit out that you're calling Jay. If yeah. crap, all three <laughs> defenders wow. now coming with Chris. <laughs> It's just like I said, it's just, it's unique, it's unique to see in person. Cause like, I remember back when we played you guys, it was a nil nil. Um, it was actually honestly one of the best games Halifax played, but we had an attacking momentum that we hadn't had all season. And the mm-hmm. three of you guys just shut us down. Mm-hmm. So I guess uh, they, like, just talk about the relationship between you three. And yeah, well, we do. what's it like playing in the Wanderers grounds too? Like not to cut you off. I'm sorry, but like, yep. I know it can't be easy with the, with the kitchen shouting at you right over no, your shoulder. The Wanderers the whole time, ground you know? is like so cool. Like, like yeah. what you guys are doing with this podcast and I'm, not, and I'm not trying to pump your tires here at all. What you guys are doing with this podcast, what's going on in Halifax is honestly so, so cool. So I surprised the hell out of me. I didn't know that was going to happen in Halifax. I had never been over to that part of the Canada. Um, so everything about, Halifax was like such a cool surprise. I was like, wow, for one, the city's actually really freaking nice. And like just that cool build kind of on the hill with the water. I was like, this is unreal. And I was like, where are these people coming from and watching this game? And how do they have the best support, you know, or one of the best supports I should say in terms of that full stadium every week. It's awesome. That, like that's what you want to play for, right? That's what, like what I said in the Island games, like you hope to be playing against in front of fans like that even if they're not yours every week, because it just makes it more fun, makes it more interesting. In terms of our back three, I mean, again, you, you I think what you said was right. And, and I, I was just saying that I've never been called that guy necessarily, but what you said is right. I think we all kind of bring something. Dominic's, his, you know, his game, he's very, very athletic, very fit. And, you know, 
Jay, I, I would say Jay is more of the no-nonsense. Like, I think typical English center back, he gets the job done, does what it takes. And then I bring sort of like my experience, whatever, to the field. So we, we kind of have a nice mix of stuff that we, that we all do. Um, and we were honestly, we, again, we won those first seven, the first seven games, whatever you call it, the regular season or the first round, whatever, the Island games. But we were a little disappointed because we felt like we leaked more goals than we had the year before. Um, but that's partially because we did a back three almost the whole time. We had some rotations and it's tough when you're not playing a lot of preseason games and your preseason cut short. So our team under Tommy, we pride ourselves on a good defense. We pride the three of us. No goals. You got to add Marco Carducci into that as well. You got to add the whole team into that. It's not really just us three as everybody working for it, but it's something that we train and we, and we work really hard on and we work really hard in 2019 on that. And uh, it's fun. It's fun when you kind of have that team within the team in the back four and you, and you take pride in you know, trying to keep the other team up. So before I pass it on, it's actually kind of a connection to Carlos's question about the off season mm-hmm. in terms of communication this is the new normal in a weird way. I mean, COVID was a weird, good mm-hmm. thing for Anthony's show in a way because we've been able to connect with you guys through Zoom. And I think a lot of people were forced into this kind of method of communication, but mm-hmm. it's actually brought its benefits. So I guess what was kind of the, the, a few of the things from COVID um, in terms of the preseason getting kind of cut short and all that, what do you think are some of the things that you guys are going to take going forward to prepare for next season? Yeah, I think uh... – you know, our ethos sort of in 2019, um, you probably heard Tommy say it a number of times like that adapt and overcome mentality. Right. And, and, you know, we're building a new league and we're a new club and, and all that stuff. And there's going to be hurdles. Obviously this year was a, a massive hurdle with COVID and, and before the Island games, we were doing zoom talk, zoom meetings, zoom breakdowns of, of European teams, world teams, other teams in our league workouts on zoom. Um, so I, I think just that, that adapt and overcome mentality of like whatever it takes to prepare for 2021, you know, you learn how to be resilient with this and this virus and whatever it takes, like we'll have, we have to do it, right. You have to get ready somehow. And there's not really any excuses. Once you get on the field, like people aren't going to go, Oh yeah, they, they lost today or they got smashed today. But you know what? Like six months ago, this virus hit. Like, no, it's just what happened on that day. And then you move on. So whatever we need to do, we'll do. And, uh, if it needs to be stuff like this, communicating this way, if we get a competitive advantage that way, we'll, we'll do it. Go ahead, brother. Um, one one question is, uh, I know you're representing the Caps wearing your hat, really nice hat. Uh, did the club also do the decoration in your apartment? Because I see horses. Yeah, I know. Back. I actually, when I got up here, I was like, they're going to notice that too, aren't they? <laughs> I said it was it was a rental, but uh, <laughs> running horses. That's that's good. Uh, I guess subliminal messaging on this podcast. Yeah, it's just like wrapping the brand, you know, the calves. Yeah. <laughs> my my uh, question. Turn the camera. I got my cowboy boots on too. <laughs> they're, they're playing on grass too, so it's perfect. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Uh, my question for you, Mason, is um, um, I know the this season was uh, you know, we saw the capacity that the Cavs have. Like you guys are a really good team. You guys have very good players. Um, do you think that not having Sergio at one hundred percent during this match, kind of like not um kind of changed the plans of how the style of playing that you guys playing because I see and this is my nerd side coming out like I see like a, a one squad Calvary with Sergio Camargo 
that it's great, amazing, and another one without him, which is good mm -hmm. too. And no disrespect with all your midfielders that are fantastic, but um, I just want to hear your thoughts about it. And can I can I like quickly add to that too? Same thing with Jose, him not being able to make it in the other internationals as well. Like, just the you, the, the Calgary the cavalry sorry identity was just to add to Carlos's question, kind of missing. No disrespect to everybody. So like, yeah, like what Carlos was saying, because it was another one of my yep. questions. Yeah, no, no. That, I think that's a really good question. That's funny enough. I was chatting with Tommy today at the office. Like when we got through Pacific, we had those two games left. And you think about it, we had Jose Escalante and Richard Luca, who was meant to be a big signing for us, weren't even on this team. We had Cordova and Hernandez, who really were non-factors because they were injured. We had Pasquati, Oliver Minitel, who since have had like long-term injuries. We had Nick Ledgerwood with a groin. And we had Sergio Camargo. Like, if you actually think about those players that are out, and it's not an excuse because every team's struggling with injuries and this, that, and the other. Like, it's in, that's insane. Like, that's ridiculous. That's like, that's like a mm -hmm. starting team right there. And yeah. uh, I told Tommy, I was like, you know what? How disappointed I am about the tournament, how it ended. But if we had won that or whatever, like, it would have been like a, a miracle, like a Disney movie. Like, we had – we were decimated by injuries. And you have to just look, like – and this is a credit to him and not a, not a disrespect. We were playing Bruno Zebi as like a number 10 in the game against Forge. Like that's yeah. like, that's like that, that says like what happened to our team. So to answer your question more specifically about Sergio, I said before the tournament, like in pre preseason, I was like, if Sergio's on this year, we have a really good chance. Cause he is, he's a difference maker. He's, he's, he's very another level. He's and physically like lightning quick, extremely strong, um, deadly in front of goal, almost unplayable on his day. Um, can get a shot off with, like before you even as a defender have like realized what's going on. So I said before the tournament, if Sergio and I said Elijah was in that too, if we can control that kind of, we're going to be really strong. And then Sergio got got injured in that second game, and it was tough. Like it was tough because he's a big, he was a big player. And it was tough for him mentally too because he he struggled with a bit of injury last year, but he's a very strong player. And very dangerous. And, and I, I, you look at that first game we played against Forge as well. We watched some clips from that. And, like, the way we played in that game, we were really good, I thought. Especially in the first half, we were moving the ball brilliantly. We ended up tying the game 2-2. But, again, it's the first game of the tournament. It's kind of like preseason. So, if you look at that game and on a performance, not a result standpoint, you're thinking to yourself, you know, when he's in the game there, Oliver's in the game there, all our, we have so close to a first team for us. We like we were thinking to ourselves, wow, like our team's pretty damn good actually. We're moving ball nice here. Mm -hmm. He's one. He's very vertical. He's one of those midfielders that um, there's a lot of good midfielders in the CPL. But what I like from Camargo is that he's very vertical and very shifty, and mm -hmm. he, he gives a different approach for Caps. And and definitely, um, I'm sure that he will overcome this. And for 2021, you guys are gonna mm -hmm. be really really strong. Um, oh, thank you. Um, thanks for thanks for the answer. And my other one leading to to that one kind of similar is about Mo Farsi. Um, he's a player that um, he really surprised me. He's 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 different, and and he's a kind of a play because I'm from South America. I feel like he kind of like has that 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 kind of like swagger at the moment that he plays. I like that when he goes through the bands. Um, mm -hmm. Was I'm sure you you guys had the chance to see him on training. Um, how was that experience? How was his adaptation when he 
um, started with you guys because he wasn't on on, on last season. Yeah, that, he was a crazy one, actually, because we all saw him in preseason, but we didn't know. Like, I didn't know, and you could kind of hear the coaches every now being like, I like this guy. He looks like he's got something. And we all thought, yeah, he looks like he's got something. But, like, we did not know it was going to be that good, that's for sure. I legitimately surprised everybody, I think, to to a little extent, how just how good he came on and how good he was for us mm -hmm. um, in some of those games. Um, in terms of that South American comment you made, I didn't even realize, I don't think, until like mid-tournament that apparently he was like some really high caliber futsal player, I think it was. Mm -hmm. And and then I and then you kind of realize that when you're watching the games, like the way his his technique and his footwork was in tight spaces, mm -hmm. it was like, oh, that Ted's kind of like a futsal player. Um but yeah, like awesome for us. Technical, quick, can run all day, puts in a shift definitely an exciting one with his age as well and exactly what this league is about like uncovering a player like that and all of a sudden now his name's on everybody's lips and again kind of like we talked about Zator earlier mm -hmm. went from like what was like what is that the PLSQ or something in Quebec which I've never really watched and now all of a sudden he's thrust onto the stage and everyone's it's great looking out for him Cool. That's good. And one last one before I pass it to Anthony. Um, now in the <coughs> offseason, you're working uh, with the Cavs. Uh, my question to you was, does Tommy, Tommy Wilden Jr. wears a suit also going to the office in the offseason? Does he's always wearing a tie? Now that you do, suit, suit, suit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, he's got it all. He, you know, he, he likes that stuff, actually, to be fair. He, some days he comes in, he's wearing a suit. Some days he comes in, he's wearing red Converse, uh, Chuck Taylor. Some days he comes in wearing jeans. Uh, but you know, he's taking good. care. He like he like you can tell he invests. Yeah, he, invests. <laughs> he likes he, he likes that. You can, you, know. you can see him on the treadmill at the gym in a suit. Yeah. <laughs> when he's not wearing a suit, you got the tuxedo t-shirt on. The tuxedo shooter. <laughs> I was gonna say it's the you got the vest on with like a short sleeve dress shirt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Go for it, Anthony. Yeah. Um. So just just kind of going back to. Uh, your, the injuries you're talking about and stuff like that like so how much did, do you think that the turf played to that because obviously like um, a lot of teams had like muscle injuries like we had like Alex Marshall from Halifax that did his meniscus mm -hmm. and stuff like that like how, how hard because I've only ever played really on grass because I'm from Ireland and stuff like that like mm -hmm. how hard is the turf on your joints and on your muscles that then do you think it caused a lot of these injuries yeah, I think so. I mean, the soft tissue ones are interesting, and that's more probably just because of no proper, like a very shortened preseason. Uh, again, we have like an unreal sports science team here at Calvary, and we only had a couple muscle injuries in the end. But when you're doing, what was it, 11 potential games in like 35 days or whatever it was, you're just like kind of in the red zone for injuries at all, at all times, which is why our team did kind of rotate so much just to try to protect guys. It's just, you have, you kind of have to, if you have the ability to, which we did with a fairly deep squad. Um, and then it's how, how did you prepare? Like, did you, it's really difficult to prepare for that um, with a shortened preseason. And then you add in the turf, which can be a problem. Like there was some knee stuff, like even Nico Pasquati's knee thing, like, the turf wasn't ideal, especially in the center circle. They kind of like painted it or something and made it look very, very sticky in there. And uh, it's tough, yeah. Like especially with those high, high kind of action guys like Sergio, like Nico Pasquati, that are just like <laughs> shifty and extreme power coming through their legs at all times. Like 
yeah, it's just one wrong step and it can, it can cause, cause some problems. And you just compound that with the other things I mentioned and you, you have a, you can have issues. So I uh, just kind of change gears a little, just a little bit. Like uh, you played in Miami and with uh, Nesta as your manager. Mm-hmm. Um, how was that? Because let's get to hang out with a legend pretty much. And mm-hmm. um, is it true that Tommy's a better manager than Nesta? <laughs> oh wow! That's, I said I was working at the office. Not better at the office. <laughs> it's not called down the pub anymore. It's called on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, um, no, that was it. Was such a cool experience for me out of Miami. Like that was one of, again one of those moments that, that'll go in the book when I'm when I'm done playing it. Like I'm I'm sitting around and all of a sudden I get a call that like Nesta and Miami FC want me to go there and they, you know, they're trying to buy me out of my deal in Ottawa. I was like. This is surreal. It's awesome. Um, and then you meet the guy and he, he actually, he's really similar to Tommy in a lot of the sense, minus, minus a world cup medal. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> and the suits. <laughs> Same Italian. Italian suits. Yeah, they love a good suit, you know, great hair. And they're football coaches. No, but it, they are. They have the same the same kind of mentality and, and they're winners and they're like super intense on the field. And then off the field, they're like, great guys that you'd be like this is super down to earth okay nesta is like a kind of a global superstar i guess you could say or at least he was and it's always surprising when you meet somebody like that and then they're like joking around with us guys that are you know in north american soccer and you're like this guy literally could be like such a prick but he's just like a nice guy like it's just football right everybody just kind of likes to be around it likes to be around the locker room and does it because they love it it's no different for him, except he's got like $60 million in the bank, I guess. Um, well, Tommy? <laughs> um, and, and Tommy said, honestly, but they're similar. The way they work, it's similar. Like they demand a lot. And that's the demanded so much, but I learned so much from him. And, and I've learned a lot from Tommy, to be fair, too. Like they're both like, they both have that sort of bit of an edge to them that uh, I think makes good managers. And, uh, I've been lucky. Like honestly, I was lucky to go from there right to here. It, it, it's it's not always the case for players to get, get so many good coaches like that. Just uh, you mentioned that you're playing in in Ottawa um, with the NASL. Like how surreal was it as well? Like looking across and you see Marcus Senna and Raul like lining up against you. Like how how yeah. crazy is that to to get a chance that you had that chance to play against them, which most people in the CPL and all that kind of stuff only get to dream of it. Like uh, what, what what was what's, what was it like? Yeah, it's cool. Like we used to have like epic battles against that uh, Cosmos team. They were class, right? They got Giovanni, uh, what's Zavarizi as their head coach, who's like crushing it in the MLS now. And a uh, bunch of really high caliber players. And the story of that franchise is maybe bigger than anything in, in North America with the, what, what Cosmos did like in the seventies and stuff. So it was always fun. And then those guys, it's funny, right? Like it, it's almost on one hand, you're like, these guys are so, so good. But then on the other hand, you think there's hope for, for our young players because on, although they are so good, you also realize like they also have two feet, two legs, two arms, like, they're just us but like and the difference is small i don't know how to say it like the difference is very small which compounds to be or it's exponentially bigger because there is there is a difference but it's not like these guys are like you run up to them and next thing you know they've rainbowed you and your pants are down and you've fallen over and they've scored up three goals it's like they're just 
sharp players that do it consistently and they were in, they happened to be, you know, in Europe and then they came through. So it's, it gives you hope that we can do that. Like we can be at that level. It takes time and it takes work. It takes infrastructure, but you kind of realize that it's not so, so crazy, you know? That maybe they were also 35, 36, 37. I can't wait to see the headlines in uh, La Marsa tomorrow in Spain. Yeah. <laughs> Canadian defender disses Raul. <laughs> not, oh, not definitely that. not dissing. No. <laughs> he, he was good. He was good. He was not that good. <laughs> he was yeah. only slightly better than me. <laughs> I was. Uh, they call him the, the Madrid Angel, so you cut his wings pretty much. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm sure he's not bothered about what I'm saying. That's for sure. So, uh, just just my final one then is like like how like he he's he just came close to actually beating that team, right? I mean, like it was a very close final in the, the in the NASL. Um, mm-hmm. How how oh, was here it? we go? <laughs> no, here we no. go. How was, the, how was the game for you and what was the experience like playing in such a big game it was I actually gotta think back about that game now did I it was huh did anything happen in it I can't remember <laughs> well minute was I got so I did mean, I got I got sent off in that game as Anthony knows he's trying to bait me into it I got sent off by one of your countrymen right Alan Kelly I think he's an Irish an Irish referee yeah I, I told and, him and yeah, it was – you know what? I'll say this. I'll say this. It was tough to lose because, honestly, we'd that was one of those teams with Ottawa that was like when everybody just kind of like – it just clicked. The group was unbelievable. Mark Dos Santos was our head coach. Like, we just – we loved it. We kind of were the underdog. We kind of felt like we were the underdogs all year and we were going to, like, go and win this thing. We were away. Cosmos are good. I got sent off, I think, in, like, the 65th minute or something – which when you watch it, you can't complain. But, you know, deep down, I, I, I think back to myself, was I trying to hurt that guy? Was I trying to be dirty? Like, I, and I, I don't have that feeling where I was like, you know what? I was trying to stomp the hell out of that guy. I felt kind of just like, shit, that happened. And now I'm done. And that really sucks. Um, but, hey, like you said, somebody mentioned earlier, everything kind of happens for a reason. I think Nesta and the GM were in the game, at the game that, that, that night and probably watched earlier. And for whatever reason – they they left at the sixty. They left at the sixty. They left at the sixty fourth minute. So they didn't <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so or, that, or Chris is right all along, and they thought this guy's no nonsense. We need this guy. He's just gonna <laughs> Yeah. Oh god. Yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah. So uh, guys, you just have uh, another question there just to wrap up here. Mason, uh, just a very quick one. Um, you are from. Uh, from the states, uh, yeah, I was, you, born, you, I was born near you, Miami. I grew up in yeah, North Vancouver. North Vancouver. So you moved here. So so, can you tell us uh, more about like uh, your parents moved here? They they were tired of Dunkin' Donuts. Said we want Tim Hortons. Let's move. Mm-hmm. You can have your career here. How was it? Yeah, I I was like one, Carlos. I don't I, I don't think I was involved in that. I thought I thought you were. Yeah. Uh, okay. I was. I was one. My brother was like three or four. But I think my dad was just working down there for like a brokerage mm-hmm. firm or something. And mm-hmm. and they're they're actually both from Calgary. Funny enough, and like I, all yeah. my family's from Calgary. I had never lived here, mm-hmm. and 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 they were. I guess another job opportunity came up in Vancouver and moved there. And then that's you know I lived there until I went back down for for college in the states. And when did your love for for football started? Um, since you were, I was that kid. I was like high school. Loved or? it. I know. Yeah. I loved it since I was like five. I was like like five years old. 
I think my parents like somehow found out that Man United played at Old Trafford. My last name's Trafford. We started watching the Premier League and that obviously became our team because they were like, that's a cool connection. It's typical Canadians, right? That you wouldn't like, you just, that would be the reason. <laughs> um, that's good. And I, mean, I just fell yeah. in love with it. I was a kid that would like play every day in the backyard, go to practice, come back, try to play until my mom called me and polished my yeah. boots and, you know, looked at all the players, loved all the players back then. And like, it was just that guy. I just was in love with it since I was like five years old, to be honest. That's great. You know what? Everything but Tottenham in this podcast, like I'm not uh, a Man United, but I'm not uh, Chris that he's going to ask you the next question. He's going to love that because he's a Man United fan. I'm, uh, Sorry. I'm just glad that your name isn't Mason Emirates. So that's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, imagine. Mason Highbury. Yeah. <laughs> right away there. Yeah. Sorry. Well, it kind of seems like your career is just full of full circles, more or less. Yeah. So yeah, like talk sure. about the Canadian Championship last year. I know that must have been weird because you're a Whitecaps residency graduate um, mm -hmm. just before they went full pro, I think. I could be wrong with that one. But talk about beating them. The nerves. What was what was what was there going into that two legs? Yeah, I don't. I don't actually know if I would consider myself a Whitecaps residency graduate. I I was more like I played. That's I think on my Wikipedia. I don't know if that's. I definitely trained with the residency, but I don't. I wasn't like one of those guys that was. Believe like, it or not, I didn't use Wikipedia for that one. I just was reading some match reports, and you were one of the best players on the team. Oh, I uh, I kind of came back and trained with them and played in the first, and then played on the team that was. You know, when Martin Nash, who's now my coach here, was like the captain of our team. And and then so but of course, being a Whitecaps like player and growing up in that city, that Canada champion, that was like really cool. Right. Like we uh, for our for, I, I, and I think it was good for our club and good for the league to sort of be like, OK, these these guys can 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 compete. And like I said before, like the MLS is a better than us. Like it, it, I'm just like I was talking about Raul and Center who are better than us. But it doesn't mean that like it's so far away that like, Oh, we're for sure going to go play the white captain. I just get throttled by these guys, which obviously didn't happen. And I think it was good that people saw that um, and saw that there's a gap and, but, but we can, we're right. We're close. We're close. And then on that occasion we, we were better and it felt great. And then it would have been even better to go on and beat Montreal, but we didn't quite have enough for that. And um I missed that this year. Actually, I wish I wish we had won that tournament just to have a crack at another MLS team too. But you know, hopefully we get back to it next year because I think that's really good for the fans and really good for the game in Canada to watch like the interleague play. It's always exciting. Jordan scored a screamer in that match against. Yeah, he did. Uh, yes. Yeah, that it was, was a good a good game. And your Wikipedia thing, uh, Nico runs it. You better ask him. He told us. Nico, giant. Oh, was he on? <laughs> Nico Giantsopoulos or Pasquati? I don't know. There's a big difference. Giantsopoulos. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just kidding. Go for it, Chris. Hands. The guy with the hands. Yeah. Um, you yeah. played in Miami. It's a city that's always, like, tried to get off the ground but couldn't really with professional soccer. So mm -hmm. how excited are you for the city that Inter-Miami has kind of started? I know, like, the mm -hmm. fans can't quite get there, but they already have quite a body of work in terms of players. Mm -hmm. So, like, just talk about, I guess, Miami football culture. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, you're right. Like, I, I think Miami's one of those cities that's very transient, right? You got people coming, people going, passing through, holidaying. So it is, I think, a tough market that way. Um, obviously, the Heat just did really well. When I was there, the Heat weren't doing well. So it wasn't like the stadium was all that crazy. So it's a bit of a, a funny city that way. 
I'm not sure. I mean, the, the Miami team that I played on is actually different. I wasn't on Inter-Miami. I was on Miami FC, which we were trying to create that sort of super team with our ownership, which is still, like, I think really strong there. But, you know, people people like the, the MLS. They, they When you get the brand behind it, it's hard to sort of, sort of everybody starts going into Miami. But I think, again, I think it can only be good, right? You, you can have two teams in a city that size, and, and hopefully they can get some interleague play with the U.S. Open Cup and – and, and there's definitely room for, for, for multiple teams in, in the States and definitely in, in that market. So I, I, I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I'll watch. I, I'll check the results every now and then, especially now that Iguain is there. And it's cool. It's really cool. The two and brothers I, are playing, I think, now. Yeah, I think they just – yeah, they just got the, the older – is he older? Is he older? He's older, yeah. 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 Which is oh, crazy to cool. think. Cause... I didn't know that. I, I haven't heard yeah. that. Yeah, they that's signed awesome. him two days ago, so they're going to play together. Yeah, and Matuidi yeah, exactly. plays for them. So, like, that's what I was saying. Like, they already yeah. have such a solid, solid base of players. Um, yeah. My last one is actually in regards to Ottawa. You're kind of a legend, and I know things didn't end the way you wanted to, Anthony, mm. you asshole. Um, <laughs> but, like, you, you player of the year two years in a row, if I'm not mistaken. Like, you actually have a uh, – uh, I'm trying to think of the right word. You're loved. So, to see the Fury kind of – die out the way they did i know for a lot of guys that have played for them it was personally hard because they had a connection with the fans to see atletico come back what's mm -hmm. what's what's kind of in your head about ottawa like do, are you happy for the city or are you sad for the city or like i know that as a fury legend it must have sucked <laughs> that's funny to hear that but i'll take it i guess especially after the earlier center back no nonsense comments. no man my, my, my <laughs> no, buddy my buddy Danny said for two years you were literally like the guy Everybody no, fucking loves I'm, I'm you in Ottawa. You. No, I, I honestly, I loved Ottawa. I really did. I loved Ottawa as a city. I loved Ottawa. That team was all, like I said, that it was one of those teams that like the group of guys would, we just like loved each other. We would all go out and go to dinners and all the wives would hang out. And it was one of those teams that was just special. And uh, the Fury, uh, it's, it was super sad to see that go because it was sort of one of those ones that you're like, they, they got decent fans, but I, I guess there's problems, you know, there's problems in, in, in every organization that, that goes under like that. So I don't know what exactly was happening, but it was sad. I felt sad for the players. I felt, fat, felt sad for the fans and even some of the people that I still knew in the office. But I mean, really, I'm really happy that Auto, uh, Atletico Ottawa is there now. You know, it's really cool to have like such a kind of famous ownership group really happy to be able to go back now and, and see some of the people that we used to play or that I used to play against and play with and the fans. And I'm excited. And I just, honestly, I like that city. It's almost like, it's like when I, when I went to Halifax, I was surprised when I went to Ottawa, I had never been there before either. I was like, this city is really cool and the people are great. And um, I wish we could have gone back this year. Hopefully next year, everything's clear and we can travel again and go and play them and, 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 and revisit that place. Um, so just to finish off, what we normally do is we just do some quick fire questions. Um, you don't mm -hmm. have to give long answers or anything like that. So, uh, who, who's your MVP of the, uh, the Island games? The Island games, I'd give it to Becker. They won. Nice. Uh, best facial hair at the uh, Island games. Oh, Sergio. Camargo. Wow, I thought it would have been Dean with his uh, beautiful mustache. Uh, that one was hard. I was honestly trying to remember and I couldn't. And then I remember Camargo as <laughs> we spoke about him. And, uh, so if you're going to play in a five-side tournament from the players that you've played with, uh, who would be on your team? And 
Richie will probably Richie Ryan will probably be upset if you don't include him. So <laughs> I actually was thinking Richie Ryan for sure. Richie Ryan, me, Richie. Um, I guess we need what we, do we keep a goalkeeper in there? Let's put Carducci or, or Sopolis because I love those two guys, both of them to death. I would put uh, I would put uh, I'd put Quadwell Poku from Miami of five v five. He'd be deadly. Um, He's crazy good. Poku? I haven't heard from him in years, but man, he's good back he, then. I remember him, man. He's crazy good. Yeah, well, he'd just be so fun to watch in the 5v5. He'd just, like, steamroll people, you know? <laughs> put him and Bim. I'd yeah, put him there you go. Bim and my team. Those two would be frightening, yeah. People just bounce off. There's a question from one of your biggest fans, uh, Derek Tupper on Instagram. He just wants to know, uh, what's the uh, most memorable match you've ever played in? Oh, these questions are tough. You got to really think back. Nobody said it was going to be easy, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's tough because, I mean, like, you could say, like, I, <laughs> it could be, like, that one is definitely maybe the most memorable. It could be, you'll never, I'll never forget that game. That's for sure. It was a final. It was with that team that I said had such chemistry. I got a red card. We can go with that. That's a, that's a good one, Carlos. I can take that. I can take that game. Yeah. There's probably one that I'm missing glaringly, but whatever. Your, that's... What about your your yeah, international cap? Would that be in memory? Yeah, that was cool. I wish I got yeah. – I mean, I'm always sort of – that'll be something that maybe I think back. I wish I'd played more for Canada, but I don't know. I didn't – maybe I didn't come into my own until too late in my career and, you know, can't have regrets. I've had a good career. I've been happy with it, but it would have been nice to get a couple more, like, legitimate caps and play some significant minutes. Um, it's one of those ones, yeah, I don't know. I'll never know. They have to have a have a have a beer with some of the coaches that <laughs> never selected me and find out what, what, what they didn't like. Before I wait there, Carlos, go ahead. Uh, this is a very quick one. Just your top three uh, defenders, all time or nowadays, whatever you prefer. Um, I love Sergio Ramos. Nice. I love. Uh, I'll do I'll do like world footballers. I did like Nesta actually before and that was weird because then he did become my coach. That's always strange. And I do like who else do I like? I like Van Dyke a lot, let's be honest. He's good, he's smooth, he looks like he's not even trying, it's kinda cool. <laughs> he's he like the messy of easy. defenders, yeah. He makes everything yeah. look easy, yeah. Yeah, he does. My heart's, he does. My heart's my heart's kind of broken. I thought you were a red. I thought Vidic was your guy. You know what? I was literally just thinking. I, I hate Vidic. you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I did like Vidic and Ferdinand. I like Ferdinand though too. Like he, when he was good, when Ferdinand was at his top level, he was like real. Yeah. Real. Uh, I like Ferdinand and Vidic. I, sometimes I kind of like visualize a little bit before games, and I think about like what top defenders do before a game, and I often think about those two and like. I think about Van Dyke. I think about Ramos. Yeah. I feel like I feel like Village is probably like ripping the heads off like live chickens and stuff. Yeah, he was bit, got that kind of vibe bad, about him, right? you know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm gonna edit you, bro. I'm gonna edit out all that United stuff and just leave it as Van Dyke and just go like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'm not that guy. No, I'm not so delayed think, with my club. I, yeah, I still yeah, run. I think it's, to be honest, that guy's a machine. Like, yeah, far, far away there, Chris. Uh, pre-game meal. What's something that gets you going before a game? I don't think I have. I'm not one of those guys that like has the exact same thing every time, to be honest. Maybe just because I, I, I don't 
plan ahead that much to make sure I have those exact things in the fridge. But <laughs> what you're saying is if you're on the bench, you'll have some ice cream at noon. <laughs> no, I mean, I just try to live my life fairly healthy so that I know it doesn't, it's not that big of a factor. Like I'm not, uh, I don't have like six shite days in a row and then old oh, game day, I better have one good one here. But it would be like a, like a protein, like a, like a fish or a chicken and uh, probably like rice or something with some vegetables, all quite plain, not too much spices, not too much so- sauces, just to keep it simple on the stomach and hopefully you don't have any problems come game time. You don't want to do it in Eric Doyer, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> wait, when he, oh, wait, what, what one's the Eric Dyer? When he, uh, halfway through the game uh, with Tottenham, he ran off to have a shit. He had the shits. Oh, yeah. God. That was the yeah, worst ever. Yeah. yeah. He, the whole he gotta go. He gotta, he gotta go. go. <laughs> yeah. Their, their kit's white too. So yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh pre-game song or like music musician like, i don't have one I, I put on hip-hop like rap music hip-hop oh, straight up. on the bus yeah i literally have i have uh i literally just have a po- on spotify i have like a hip-hop favorite it's like a like a like a like a playlist let's just straight put up. that on and it comes on whatever comes on vanilla ice isn't hip-hop just so you know no definitely not. <laughs> if it's on spotify so uh, where can people find you on social media, Mason? I'm mostly active on Instagram, to be honest. I don't, and even that I'm, I'm, I should be more active, I guess, for somebody in like a soccer player. I don't know if I should, but not so much Twitter or Facebook anymore. Instagram, I think I'm at Mason Trafford. Awesome. And it's mostly my daughter and some footy and then some uh, social stuff. So Amazing. So uh, yeah, thanks again for hanging out with us. We're sorry we took up so much of your time. Uh, go have your dinner and uh, yeah. we'll, we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, no, guys, that was a pleasure. It's always fun chatting with uh, knowledgeable guys about the game here in Canada. I appreciate what you guys are doing, trying to grow it, and, and it's, it's, it's a fun thing. So, cool. Cheers, buddy. Thanks. Thank you. Cheers Thanks for Thank me. you. So, Carlos, where can people find you on uh, social media? Oh, they can find me at, uh, on Twitter at Benny Golasso and on Instagram as Mr. Benitez. And uh, what's been happening with Diaz Football? DS Football launch a new website. You can go to www.dsfootball.com or you can follow us on every social platform as at DS Football. Awesome. And uh, Chris, where can people find you on the, um, social media? Kind of like Mason. I'm an Instagrammer. So at Kristofsky, C-H-R-I-S-T-O-F-S-K-I. Um, we've got a podcast coming out soon called My Name is Searle. Thank you to Anthony and Colton for the nickname. Um, <laughs> We're going to work on a lot of stuff around the world of sports, but we might drift into the world of sports every once in a while. Also keep an eye out for the last call. I told Anthony like four months ago, we were going to do this. And then I told Anthony last week, we were going to do this, but he's going to be impressed next week. So keep an eye out for the last call. Keep an eye out for my name is Searle and obviously keep an eye out for down the pub. Yeah. And uh, you can follow the show at uh, down the pub pod on Instagram, down the pub pod C one on Twitter want to give a special shout out to my good friends at the block 108 ultras for the uh the t-shirts that they sent over uh they are absolutely they're absolutely amazing they're on par with diaz football so yeah they're um you can hit them up on instagram block 108 ultras and uh just shoot them a dm and they can send you some uh some merch yeah. um so uh, yeah so, so for the supporter life it's happy to see this i'm happy that uh supporter groups are starting doing this it's good for the community it's 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 good for 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 halifax we need this in nova scotia and we need like more supporters group like this doing embracing the the supporters culture 
Yep. So um, just check them out on, uh, as I said, on Instagram or on Twitter too, uh, Blocking Away Ultras. Um, so thanks again, guys, for hanging out. It was really great talking to um, a, a pretty much a, a legend in Canadian football. So yeah, thanks, guys. Have a great evening. Yep. And yeah. I appreciate it. Yep. Cheers. Cheers, brother. Until next time. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> right, folks, please. Time to drink up, folks. Get out. Out to fuck. You've been listening to the Down the Pub podcast, recorded in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Head to downthepub.ca to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.